Welcome to the Afternoon Tea episode. I'm Chef KB. You're listening to Kat the Baker. The reason I want to talk about afternoon tea is it's been a thing my whole life. This is before being a pastry chef. I grew up in England and afternoon tea is the thing. It always has been. It's something I was raised with. So whenever I see an afternoon tea, I get excited. But the funny thing is, I never thought that I would actually be creating afternoon teas for other people. So among all the chaos back in December, I had a few days off and I thought I need to refuel because I've been working 12, 14 hour days like I've been talking about. So what I did, day one, I went and got a massage The pressure she used was so hard that it was painful, but in a good way. You know, I was getting super stiff with all the work and all the standing, and it was amazing. So then day two, I decided to go skiing. I went skiing in the morning, and the slopes have been super empty, especially if you go during the week in Aspen. On the weekends, they're busy, but there are four mountains, so you can just pick one and spend all day there if you want. But I decided to just go like an hour, hour and a half, and it was lovely. The skies were blue. I pretty much had the slopes to myself. I did like five runs, and it was perfect. After that, I decided to drive to Denver. And what the plan was, was that I was going to see a friend, a friend that we went together for acting school. And we weren't actually friends at the time. We kind of became friends when she moved to Denver. But what happened was she got COVID. The reason I wanted to go to Denver was to hang out with her and to go to the German Christmas market. Because I've talked about this when I went to the German embassy. I was told about the Christmas market and I reached out to the honorary consul and he gave me Glühwein tickets. I can get Glühwein for free. He sent me the tickets. This was the only time I could basically make it to the Christmas market in Denver because everything at the hotel has just been so crazy. But then my friend tells me she got COVID and I thought, okay, that sucks because I was going to hang out with her and we were going to go to the Christmas market together. But it turns out that I thought, okay, I'm still going to go because when I decide something, I do it and I wanted to still see it. So, with my hotel discount, being that I work at a hotel, I can get discounts. So I looked at some hotels in Denver, and there was this one hotel called the Brown Hotel, which is downtown, within walking distance to the Christmas market, the Christkindlmarkt, which is Christmas market in German. And I thought, okay, I can walk there. This is one of the reasons I booked it. And also, it just looked beautiful in the picture. There were other hotels that were cheaper, but I thought, no, I'm going to splurge. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do this. So I booked it. After skiing, I drove to Denver. I drove straight to the hotel. I checked in. And this hotel is it's like a triangle from above. It's in the middle of three streets. And it was built in, I think, 1886. What's beautiful about it is when you go in through the revolving doors, on the inside, it's open. So you can look up and you see all the floors. And I stayed on the third floor. I'm not sure exactly how many floors there are, 
but it must have been around, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to say 15. But when I looked up, like I saw a Christmas tree and then this huge chandelier, which had all these Christmas decorations, and I could see every floor looking up. And at the top was this beautiful kind of Tiffany glass ceiling. It brought light into the whole hotel from above. And it was so beautiful. At the same time, you've got someone playing the piano and you've got this lovely background and 1920s vibes. It was just such a classy place. And immediately I got excited that I'm staying there. I check in, I get a room on the third floor, and the room is beautiful. Like it's been renovated, obviously, but there are a lot of just like details. You know, the original framework is still there. You have these big windows with a shelf in front of it, you know, so you can sit and look out the window. There was a king-size bed, perfect size. You've got this ornate desk on the other side of the room. You've got this beautiful bathroom, marble from floor to ceiling. Everything just looks super elegant. The tub was a perfect size, and I immediately knew I was going to go take a bath later. You had this round ottoman in the middle of the room. And as I was standing there scoping the whole room, I just started to smile, like from ear to ear. And I jumped on the bed, and I breathed deep, and I looked up at the ceiling, and I thought, yes, this was the best idea. (laughs) I then decided to leave the room and explore the area nearby. So as I'm leaving, from the third floor, I looked down, and this band was playing like a live trumpet player, maybe it was saxophone, like a live pianist, and the whole thing was just very upscale. You know, it was, it was pretty extraordinary. I just felt like I had entered this other world, and I loved every minute of it. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to walk around downtown Denver a little bit and find out where the Civic Center Park is, which is where the Christkindlmarkt was. So I walk around, I decide to get some pokey, which I haven't had in in a while because I live in Aspen and there aren't too many options food-wise. So when I get to a city, I get super excited. And then later on that day, I walked to the Christmas market. It was dark. All these lights had been lit up. Like the town hall had just turned on all these lights and you could see the whole building just lit up, which is beautiful. And it was within walking distance to the Christkindlmarkt, which totally reminded me of Germany. I mean, I guess that's the point. And I didn't realize Denver was so German. (laughs) But I loved it, you know, because I just had all these childhood flashbacks. In Germany, no matter where you are, you have Christmas markets. It's the same in Austria, in Switzerland, pretty much every German-speaking country. And I'm going to say probably France, but... I've never spent time in France for Christmas. You know, I can only speak for Germany and Switzerland. So they have all these stands where you can buy like Christmas ornaments, things in general that you can buy for Christmas presents, like candles, there's chocolate. You know, there are these these German pyramids 
they're called uh, like pyramiden and they're made out of wood they're hand carved and you put candles on the bottom the heat of the candles turns the top part and it's hard to describe but there's different tiers of these wooden tiers you know and typically you have like these religious settings on there you know with Jesus and Mary and you know sheep and whatnot like <laughs> and and it's all carved in wood and it's very german they had this little stand with cuckoo clocks but because it's all handmade it's super expensive and my mom bought one of these pyramids it had four different tiers five i don't want to say like it was super tall and i remember her lighting the candles and i would just stare at it as it turned you know because at the very top like the heat would rise to the very top and then the whole thing would turn and you'd see all these nativity scenes on each different tier and then at night you turn all the lights off and then just you'd have the candle light and it looks so beautiful and i just remember my mom like loving this pyramid so much it was special like it was super expensive even then she spent so much money on it i don't know how much but she just always said don't touch it's expensive and um at the christmas market they had maximum like a two tier and that was like $1500 you know because it's handmade so i'm like how much was my mom's i mean now you know cuz she got hers like i want to say 38 years ago or something like that i mean yeah i was like 6 They're beautiful and it's a very German thing and I was thinking I should have like looked for it you know to try and take it like have it for me just these memories right because I very vividly remember at Christmas time her lighting the candles and this pyramid turning and then she turn off all the lights she would just be so happy i'd see the whole christmas scene with the tree and the pyramid and it was just magical it's interesting now the things i think of oh i should have kept this i should have kept that you know i don't need any of these things it's just um it's interesting what you think you should keep or have to remember this memory because this person was just so special like you you want to hold on to just these special moments right like maybe a fear oh i'll forget this thing you know like i won't forget it cuz i remember it like it's in my head i do remember um like a few years later it didn't turn as much i think because when it turns and you stop it I think I like stopped it a few times <laughs> to see if it would restart and I think I maybe like half broke it. You know, so if I had it now, it probably wouldn't even work. I mean, you know, I like to think that, but <laughs> it's like I don't need more stuff. I don't need these things, but now I think of it because she's gone. You know, and I'm like, "Oh, I wish I had that." 
I mean, they are beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to have, you know, and, and pull out at Christmas time. I never thought of it when she was alive. You know, I never thought, oh, I need this pyramid. It's just funny what I want to hold on to. You know, because when I look at my apartment, there are a lot of things that I won't get rid of now because she gave this to me and it has special meaning. Whereas before, I probably, you know, if I wasn't that into it, I wouldn't keep it. But now everything's like, no, I'm keeping this, I'm keeping that. And I realize, wow, like, I won't get rid of it now. You know, and I realize it's because maybe by having it, maybe in some form, I feel like I'm keeping these memories alive. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Seize the moment. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. What matters is what you feel. It matters what your dreams are and what you think is possible within you. Don't let anybody ruin that or dampen that. Like the last couple months, I've felt something very different. And it's these waves of positivity. You know, like... My dreams are important, and they're important to me, and everyone has that. Don't let that fade. That's the most important thing. I saw this Dave Chappelle special, and he started out with this big show in Washington, D.C., and he was back 20 years later. And he was saying when he started out, like that was a huge dream, you know. And after that show, he got big and, and everything just started to happen. And now he's back 20 years later. And so much had happened. You know, he was living his dream and he just stood there and really noticed it. Like this is what he wanted. And it was happening. You know, and he was saying, be humble when you realize this is your dream you know and and it just so resonated with me you know life happens things happen and you become hopefully wiser and smarter but in the end you're still that person you're still that young person with those big dreams and don't stop believing that don't stop thinking that when I die nobody can say that I never went for things you know that's something I'm really proud of it's not easy <clears throat> and maybe some people might say oh it's harder to stick with something I know when I need the next thing and I go for it if I see something I want to do I go for it. So back to the Christkindlmarkt. And then you had all the food. You know, um, like schnitzel, you have brezel, pretzels, you have like currywurst, which is a curry sausage, which is sausage with a curry sauce on it and fries. You had all kinds of different sausages. You know, like a Bavarian sausage, which is like a veal sausage. And then there were all these options and, and all these lines. 
You had a Kartoffelpuffer, which is like a latke, which is shredded potato, and you eat it with applesauce. It's like shredded potato, but then made into mini pancakes, so potato pancakes. Anyway, it was like this whole thing, and I was there for a couple hours, and I loved it. You know, and everything was so Christmassy, and then I realized, oh my God, it's it's almost Christmas. You know, like working at the hotel has made me kind of numb to it because I've been planning for all these events in December so much that my goal is just to have it be done with. I didn't think, oh, now I can enjoy it for a day. Like, basically, this was my Christmas. You know, it was my time off. And when I was there, among all the lights and the Christmas market, that's when I really was like, oh, it's Christmas. You know, and it was beautiful. And it just made me wish that, okay, this would be nice for me to share it with somebody. But nevertheless, I enjoyed it myself. And I bought this, like, spruce candle. You know what? I just bought things for myself that I liked. And then I walked back to the hotel. And I had this big king bed with all these plush pillows. And I laid there for, like, a good 20 minutes. And I thought, I'm going to take a bath. And that's what I did. I go over to the bathtub... And I try to fill it, but only the shower was on, and I couldn't get it to switch it to the bathtub. Like, there's like this, um, not handle, but it was a a button. But I was pressing it and pulling it, and nothing happened. So I called the front desk. I'm asking, how do I get the shower to turn into a bathtub? Like, how do I get the water to fill the tub? And then they said, let me call engineering. So the engineering came by, they looked at it, and he said, he has to fix it. The knob is broken. If I was willing to switch rooms with a working tub. And I said, yes, (laughs) this is how much I wanted to take a bath. I take baths all the time, especially after skiing and just taking a time out. You know, I have a whole ritual. I fill it with Epsom salt. I have a bath pillow. And I have like a a water stopper, like up top, you know, when you fill it to a certain level and then the water flows out to not overflow the tub. Well, I have a a water stopper for that so I can get the water higher. And I have all these bath products. Like, it's a thing. I love bathtubs, and I just fill the tub, and I start basically napping in the tub. You know, it's not like a deep tub the way it was in Japan. Like, in Japan, the tub, super deep, and you can fill so much water in there. It's not like that here. You know, so when I tell people I'm going to fall asleep in the tub, they're like, oh, that's dangerous. I'm like, yeah, I guess if it were, if a lot of water were in it or could fit into it, then it would be dangerous, but it's not. So the engineering man comes back and he gives me a room key for a different room, like three rooms down. I move all my stuff in there and I only have a couple bags. 
This room is even bigger, again with a beautiful king bed. But the room is bigger, and the bathroom is even bigger. So I'm like, yes, this is going to be awesome. So I start to fill the tub, but the thing is, there's like um, a plug in there, and how do I describe it? It's a metal plug. You can't pull it out or in or anything. It's just in there, and you move it to the side, and then the water can flow out. If you turn it so that it's flat, the water stays in. But the pressure of the water is so hard that it won't stay flat. It keeps moving the plug on its side, so I can't keep the water in. So I go into the tub, I bring a small towel, and I put it over the plug so that it will fill. You know, and the pressure goes on the towel. So that worked, and I ended up being in the tub for over an hour. But I did everything. You know, I I had some music. I turned off the light so that the hallway light was just giving light into the bathroom. Like I did everything. I scrubbed. I I dyed my hair. I. I had an evening where it was just taking care of me. You know, I ended up doing my nails, which I hadn't done in a really long time. Like, I put nail polish on, on my toes too, which I never do because it's always so cold in Aspen that I'm just always wearing socks and working, you know, so there's no point. I felt like pampering myself. You know, and then I whitened my teeth, I lotioned, like, I did everything. And I thought, like, wow, I really needed this. You know, it ended up just being a really great night in a hotel by myself. And I loved it. I'd never done it before. Like, usually I did it with a goal to do something else. Like, I'm going to the airport or whatever. I never did it just to have a night in a hotel. You know, obviously it was for the Christmas market, but in the end, it ended up being more important than I realized. You know, and the bed was beautiful. I slept great. But before I went to sleep, I got a message from my friend that her brother died and he had had cancer for a while. You know, obviously I got super sad because I love her, you know, and and obviously I feel for her and her family. And I can't say exactly how long he's had cancer, but a long time. I want to say he was diagnosed in his 30s, and this had been going on. You know, he did a lot of chemo, and I met him a few years ago when I was in New York. We had dinner together, like with my friend, and... You know, it's just sad. And just like, and I I realize this, obviously. But just things happen so quickly. You know, and, and we never fully maybe realize it. You know, we just live our lives. We do our day-to-day. We have to work to make money. You know, you, you do your thing. And then... I guess life happens to you. You know, people that you care about, you know, they die. And 
yes, it's a part of life, you know, but it just those moments you realize, yeah, it's all going to end at some point for all of us, right? Like that's, that's how it is. But in that moment, I just thought, and I always think, you know, like when I've had my own experiences, when I was in that car crash, you know, and I had but a scratch on me, when my mom died, like these experiences, they always put everything into perspective. You know, and like, I don't want to put up with bullshit. I just want real experiences. And I guess that's why I'm so good at doing things by myself, because I'm not going to sit and just wait for things to happen. You know, if I want to do something, I'm the first one to book it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll be there. You know, and I did the same thing with this Christmas market. Like, I'm great at doing things by myself. And the thing is, I enjoy that. I enjoy my own company. (laughs) I know that maybe sounds weird, but I do. And it wasn't always like that. You know, I've gotten really good at doing things by myself, mainly because I was in a long-distance relationship Again, I wasn't going to sit around, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll just do it by myself. And that hasn't stopped, you know, and and it's not that I don't want to, like, date someone or be with someone and spend those moments that are meaningful with somebody. But at the same time, only if it's a good relationship. I don't want to deal with bullshit. I say that because my next-door neighbors, a couple, they're always arguing. And I can hear it through the walls, but dramatic arguing. Like, I've never argued that way. Is it healthy? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. So they, like, wake me up because they're always arguing. And they suck. Like, I don't want to be in a relationship like that where I'm constantly yelling at somebody. But that's not even me. I don't even yell like that. You know, and then they close the doors dramatically and run out in the snow, start crying out in the snow. I don't know, but yeah, I don't want that. When I'm by myself, I can do whatever I want. You know, I can eat what I feel like. I can take pictures of what I want. I can walk along this street instead of that street. It doesn't matter. You know, and maybe I've gotten used to that a little bit too much. Again, I'm seeing somebody long distance. It just made me realize Like, time is precious. And I know I've said this before, but it is. I want just real experiences. I don't want to put up with fake things, with dishonesty. I want someone to just tell me what they want. Like, tell things like they are. Like, no games. And that is so hard to find, you know? So I told the person I'm seeing on the phone, like, this happened. And I basically said, I'm going to be honest with you. And I want you to be honest with me. Like, I want real experiences. I want the real thing. You know, I'm not sure if you are that right now, but whatever the truth is, whatever is on my mind, whatever I want, I'm just going to tell you. And I want you to tell me the same. And if you disagree, then that's something we need to talk about. Or we're not the right match. You know, sometimes if you're too honest in a relationship, 
when you're seeing somebody, there's a fear, or I've had this, there's a fear that you're going to push that person away. Like you're moving too fast. But in this case, I'm like, no, like this is important to me. I'm going to say it. And if he's okay with it, he'll be okay. And the response will be positive. Why do I have to scare this person? I'm only scaring him if he's not the right person, right? So I said all this stuff and he responded, like, I agree. Yes, I want to be honest with you. It just became this positive conversation. I'm like, just most of all, I'm just sick of games, you know, or thinking everything's okay. And then come to find out it's not because there's no communication. You know, and I feel like things shouldn't be that complicated. Like things are only complicated if you put weight on something, if you involve your emotions. But I'm sick of it. Like I'm sick of it and I'm just ready to just tell somebody right off the bat what I want, what I need, and that's it. I felt good after that. You know, I've never, I've never done that before. Not to that extent. And I feel like I had this breakthrough because what I want and feel matters. And I think before, I don't think I felt that. I think as women, oftentimes we're quick to give other people what they need versus looking at ourselves and asking, what do I need? And I had the best sleep in this king-size bed. I slept all night, and then the next morning, like I checked out, and in the hotel, they have this afternoon tea. Like every day, maybe Monday through Friday, or maybe all week, I'm not exactly sure. But usually I don't have off on the weekends, so this was during the week, and I made a reservation for an afternoon tea for myself. So in the bottom, when you enter in the lobby area, there's this huge seating area for just afternoon tea. There must have been like 40 tables, a lot of tables. So from 11 to 4, they have afternoon tea, and you can just sit and order drinks if you want after that. So I made a reservation for myself. It was perfect. It was so nice. So you had a choice of the tea you wanted to pick, and I picked a vanilla bean black tea. It was delicious. Like, the vanilla bean smelled like pure vanilla in the best way, not artificially. It was so delicious. And you could get afternoon tea, like the classic, the signature version, or add on champagne. Later on, you know, I had to drive back to Aspen. But I decided, just get the signature, no alcohol. And then I got these three tiers. The top one had small pastries. The second tier had finger sandwiches. And the last one had scones. And on the table was self-made lemon curd, which was super light. I feel like there were less egg yolks and maybe more butter. It was delicious. And then another bowl had piped clotted cream. And clotted cream is even thicker than heavier cream. It just has a very thick texture. And it comes from Devon in Cornwall in England. So growing up, 
you know, we would vacation in Cornwall and we would go by all these farms and buy fresh clotted cream. And then we would stop and get afternoon teas. And in England, it consisted of scones with clotted cream and strawberry or raspberry jam, and then Earl Grey tea, sometimes even Lady Grey tea, which is Earl Grey with lavender, or English breakfast, so just classic. You wouldn't necessarily get, depending where you went, it wouldn't always include savory finger food or additional pastries. You know, so this in the hotel was just a classic treat, and it was really nice. So I started with the finger food. There were little cucumber sandwiches, and it was just like a thin layer of cream cheese with very, very thin sliced overlapping cucumbers. Then there was a beef Wellington sandwich. It had very thin slices of beef with, I want to say dill. I would have preferred smoked salmon. You know, the beef was a little chewy for me, but it still tasted good. And then there was this like curried egg salad, little triangles, which were delicious. And then I had, I started next with the scone. It was a ginger scone and on it I ate all the lemon curd. Like (laughs) I would take a bite and put a huge scoop of lemon curd on it and do that for the whole scone. It was so good. And then I ate the four little pastries. So there was, it was like a red velvet blondie bar. It was a very thin layer of blondie and topped with red velvet sponge. And it baked. And on top they did a little cream cheese icing. And I put clotted cream on everything because I had this bowl. Like I wasn't going to let any of it go to waste. And then there was a like a cinnamon crumb cake, a small mini cupcake version. And I put clotted cream on that. Then there was a little fruit cup. It was a chocolate cup filled with, I want to say like a berry type mousse or gelée. You know, it wasn't creamy, but on top of it, there was a peppermint mousse. And that was creamy, but I'm not a huge peppermint fan. You know, so I tasted it and didn't eat the whole thing. And then lastly, there was an orange macaron, which was handmade and they brushed it with gold. It was a little overbaked. You know, I'm not going to complain. Like the amounts of afternoon tea they had made. When I woke up, I brought my stuff to the car before the afternoon tea. I saw them setting up for afternoon tea. You could hear the clanking of the silverware and and the plates and everything. It was a huge ordeal. And they were already setting up at like 10. So when I'm sitting there, they've got just all these people for reservations at 11. You know, and one by one, they're filling the tables. There must have been over 100 people just for this afternoon tea. And this is on a Wednesday. It's not even a weekend. You know, so it's very, very popular. 
so I eat all the sweets and in between I have my vanilla black tea with a little square of brown sugar and a little bit of milk and then I go back to the vanilla scone and I put raspberry jam on it with the rest of the clotted cream <laughs> like it was so good I was just loving every minute of it it was pricey yes but the point was I don't know it just I needed it I just needed a day for myself and, and I took care of myself and I just felt like we all need this you know we all need to refuel in some way and that's when I love the city you know because like same when I lived in New York you know I had a rough day and I decided to go to this amazing spa and there was a it's like a two-hour time limit they had this Red Sea bath which is just filled with salt and you float on it. They had all these different other baths and then they had this salt scrub and you could scrub yourself down and then go into the water. They had saunas and steam rooms and it was just this whole area where you could just walk around for two hours and go from one tub into the next. Like, I love stuff like that, you know? And then the afternoon tea was kind of on this level, but instead of water and steam I had these cute bite-sized food items and it was perfect and around me all these people were celebrating it was $75 minimum per person so most people were going there for special events you know birthdays or reunions or what have you you know and it's a lot of women I feel like it's mainly women that want to have afternoon tea or English men <laughs> there were strangely quite a few English men and I was picking up on conversations, but they were older. You know, it's a different generation because even in England for the afternoon tea, typically men like it starting in their 50s, you know, and, and anyway, I messaged my family and I sent them pictures of the afternoon tea and then my brother said, was it like the afternoon tea at the Ritz-Carlton in Atlanta? So, my mom lived in Atlanta, and we would go for birthdays. We would go to the Ritz-Carlton to have afternoon tea, and they called it, like, high tea. And that was perfect. You know, you had this bowl of cut fresh strawberries, with a shot of Grand Marnier and then fresh whipped cream. You had the three tiers of the finger food and the scones and the clotted cream. And then you had a glass of champagne, you know, and, and it was this ritual. And my mom loved it, you know, and I was sitting there at the Brown Hotel enjoying this afternoon tea. And I was just thinking, yeah, like my mom would have loved this afternoon tea. You know, and I responded to my brother and I said, yes, it was, it was just like the Ritz-Carlton in Atlanta, but without the strawberries and the Grand Marnier. And then I got into my car, you know, and when I paid, I asked, is there a discount for working for Marriott? They said, no, 
not for afternoon tea. And then they asked which property I worked at. I, I told them and and they and I said, I'm the pastry chef. And she's like, what did you think of all the items? I said they were they were perfect. Like everything tasted amazing. And then the hostess said the best afternoon tea she had had was in Victoria, Canada, Victoria Island, Canada. Maybe I got that wrong. I don't know. But apparently the host goes around anywhere she can to get afternoon teas and to compare, you know, and that's her thing, which I think is awesome. But this whole experience made me think about the afternoon tea that we serve at the hotel. And in the new year, you know, we've revamped it and made it more upscale. And they got different china, which makes a huge difference, you know, in how you present it and how you serve it. But most of all, I was so full and I was so glad that I put on my stretchy pants before the afternoon tea because <laughs> I ate everything. And I had so many cups of tea and I walked back to my car ready for my trip back to Aspen. But I love how that experience, it was just positive. You know, and as I'm enjoying everything, I thought back to the other afternoon teas I'd had with family, with my mom. And I love that I had that experience and it was happy. The food brought me right back to these other celebrations I had had with my mom. You know, and I love that. I love that food has the power to do that. And I was only gone for a day, you know, like 24 hours. But I love how I used up this time for me, you know, and yes, now more of the work begins for Christmas and Christmas Eve. But I really felt like, okay, this was my Christmas. I was happy I did that. And maybe you're not all able to do that, to book a hotel for a night and just spend the night in the room, in the tub. But if you have the opportunity, you just do it. And just working in the hotel and restaurants pretty much all my life. I've learned to, if I have a day off, make the most of it because after this day, it's just more craziness. You know, even on my days off, I get messaged and my staff has questions and things like that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But it's so important to pamper yourself once in a while. You know, obviously everyone wants a piece of you, right? Like either your family or your husband or work or whatever but if you get the chance just take a time out you know and maybe just let them know okay tomorrow I'm gonna go to a hotel by myself <laughs> and see see what they say but this was the first time that I'd actually thought of that that it's the first time I've done that my mom was really good at finding reasons to celebrate and she did a lot for everybody else and she always managed to do really fun things with us. You know, she just found reasons to celebrate and she would book things. Again, that's what I loved about her. She was not stingy. She was generous in, in her gifts and just how she was, you know, emotionally, like affectionately and she would give to the homeless, to any organization that would send her ads. Of course, she would get a bunch of those. You know, she would take in cats 
like off the street, that needed her help. She would stop if she saw an injured animal on the road. You know, she'd move it aside or she'd bring it to a shelter. I mean, she was just way more loving and generous than I am. You know, when I think of afternoon tea and the times we would go out and celebrate the afternoon tea, I remember before I left for Switzerland, her birthday was in November, I booked an afternoon tea at the Phoenician Hotel in Phoenix. And same thing, it was a big to-do. You know, I made reservations. It was my mom, myself, and my dad. I drove there from Flagstaff. And I think it was really the last time, you know, that we were all together. Because then after Switzerland, I moved to New York. But it was the same thing. You know, she loved the finger foods, and she always wanted extra finger foods. So she'd always ask for another plate. And she just loved anything with clotted cream. (laughs) You know, and I feel like I totally got that from her. Or just cream in general, like whipped cream. I knew she loved afternoon teas, so I booked it for her birthday and... Basically, like two and a half years later, she died. And that was the last afternoon tea. I just caught up with a friend that I hadn't talked to in almost 20 years. We worked together in New York. We were kind of catching up a little bit. Obviously, with 20 years, there's a lot to catch up on. You know, and we were both greeters at a restaurant And she went into this whole other career as a dietitian and nutritionist. And I thought that was so interesting. I just love empowered women, you know, and and how they can empower other women and girls, you know, in their community. And she was telling me, like, part of her life, you know, she married somebody and he ended up dying a couple years later. And he was young. And I guess I'm hearing just more experiences of, you know, loved ones dying. And the point is, like, cherish those around you. Cherish those that mean something to you. And cherish yourself and honor yourself. Give yourself the time to have these moments to take care of yourself. You know, if you're giving and giving all the time and doing all these things at your job... You're just depleting yourself. You know, and of course you're gonna get sick. So if nothing else, be kind to yourself because if you have energy, then you're able to give to others. You know, if you're giving and giving to everybody and never take the time to do the things that you love to do and take a day to yourself, how are you gonna take care of those around you? and be the best that you can be. So that's my wise moment, my wise words, before I plunge right back into my work craziness. And if you come across an afternoon tea, go for it. I think you would really enjoy it. Obviously, I recorded this right before Christmas. And now it's January, thank goodness. 
I thought Christmas was crazy, and it was, but New Year's Eve was even crazier. I literally had one person after the other in a line ask me things constantly, along with plating everything for the event, like for 200 people, along with a separate fondue menu, along with like a different menu we have going at the casual bar. And I literally had a moment of insanity. And I just started laughing. And my assistants were looking at me, like not knowing how to respond. (laughs) They weren't laughing with me. They were just looking at me like I was crazy. And I really did feel crazy. And I couldn't stop laughing because there was one request after the other. And it was driving me to the point of, like, I don't know, I've never felt that way before. And that's when I realized, okay, this is the last Christmas and New Year's I'm going to be working in a hotel. I just can't, I can't do it again. And a friend of mine said, well, this is your job. I'm like, yes, but to work every day for 14 hours, like just every day, that's not normal. You know, and and the adrenaline is so high and they just go through people, you know, just like one after the other, like spend more time there, more time there. There's just no balance. You know, eight hours becomes 10 hours, 10 hours becomes 12 hours. And the thing is, there's always something that somebody wants. It's a hotel. I could be there 24 seven and nobody would notice probably. You know, it just becomes your life. And then I have energy for nothing else. Like, it's kind of sad. Because people are saying, oh, I could still start like a baking business and bake things at home and bring those items to the cafes. I'm like, in theory, that sounds great. But I have no energy. I have no energy outside of the hotel. When my brother was here, I left, not early, like after 12 hours instead of 14. And I got a text from the executive chef saying that he wished I hadn't have left because it was a big rush. And that like ruined my whole night. I understand, you know, even though I didn't leave like right in the middle of the rush, I waited when I thought it was okay to leave. But it's like, no matter how much you give, it doesn't appear to still be enough, you know? And it just like sucks you dry. So I've sent my voice recording out to over 40 voiceover agencies in LA. And I'm starting to put things into place, you know, to see if there's something out there that I can do other than work in the hotel. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And um, we'll see. We'll see if, if it's time for that. Anyway, that was my big realization. Thank you so much for listening to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Until next time. 